Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. Today, I have Dr. Don Wood, who you may recognize that name if you listen to the podcast regularly. He was on the show um, maybe a couple of months ago, and he is the CEO and founder of the Inspired Performance Institute, and he's a neuroscience guy, and he knows everything there is to know about dealing with trauma and how to get the mind back on track when you've been through a big, horrible life events or some such thing. Now, when we talked last time, he shared with me his methodology, the the work that he's done, how he can help people with things like addictions as well and depression and just dealing with the stresses of life, whether they be small stresses or big stresses. Um, And we got talking about my um, situation and the stuff that I've been through in the last few years, which uh, many of your listeners will know has been pretty traumatic from losing babies to uh, losing my dad to mum's journey. So I uh, was very privileged and lucky to have Dr. Don Wood actually invite me to do his program with him. And we share today uh, my stories, um, how I went with that. And he explains um, a little bit more in depth the the neuroscience behind it all and how it all works. So if you're someone who's dealing with stress, anxiety, PTSD, depression, um, if you want to understand how the brain works and how you can help yourself to deal with these sorts of things, then you must listen to the show. He's an absolutely lovely, wonderful person. Now, before we get over to the show, I'd just love you to all to um, do a couple of things for me. Uh, if you wouldn't mind doing a rating and review of the show uh, on Apple or iTunes or wherever you listen to this, that would be fantastic. It helps the show get found. Um, and we also have a patron program, just to remind you, if you want to check that out, come and join the mission that we're on to bring this wonderful information direct to people. Also, we have our Boost Camp uh, program starting on the 1st of September 2021. If you're listening to this later, we will be holding these on a regular basis, so make sure you check it out. Uh, This is an eight-week live webinar series that my uh, business partner, my best buddy and long-time coach, uh, Neil Wagstaff, and I will be running, and it's all about upgrading your life and helping you perform better, helping you be your best that you can be, helping you understand your own biology, your own neuroscience, how your brain works, uh, how your biology works, lots of good information that's going to help you upgrade your life, live longer, be happier, reduce stress and be able to deal with things when life is stressful and God knows we're all dealing with that. Um, <clears throat> so I'd love you to come and check that out. You can go to peakwellness.co.nz forward slash boost camp. And I also want to remind you to check us out on Instagram. I'm quite active on Instagram. I have a couple of accounts there. We have one for the podcast that we've just started. We need a few more followers, please, on there. Go to at pushing the limits for that one on Instagram. And then my main account is at Lisa Tamati if you want to check that one out. If you're a running fan, check us out on Instagram at, at Running Hot Coaching. And we're on Facebook under all of those as well. So at Lisa Tamadi, at Pushing the Limits, and at Running Hot Coaching. And the last thing before we go over to Dr. Don Wood, reminder to check out too our longevity and anti aging supplement. We joined forces with Dr. Alina Seranova and have NMN, which is nicotinamide mononucleotide. And this is really some of the coolest stuff um, in the anti aging and longevity space if you want to check out the science behind that we have a couple of podcasts with her check those out and also head on over to nmnbio.nz right over to the show with dr don wood well hey everyone and welcome back to pushing the limits today i have a dear dear friend again who's been uh, back on the show as a repeat offender dr don wood (laughs) i don't know about repeat offender oh i'm in trouble (laughs) that's great (laughs) <laughs> Repeat offender on the show. That's awesome. <laughs> um, now, Dr. Don, for those who don't know, uh, was on the show. And Dr. Don is a, a trauma expert and a, a neuroscientist and someone who understands how the brain works and why we struggle with anxiety and depression and uh, post traumatic stress disorder. And we did a deep dive last time, didn't we, into the program that you've developed. <clears throat> and since then, everyone, I have been through Dr. Don's program program. He kindly um, took me through it. So 
Today I want to unpack a little bit of my experiences on the on the other side as the as the client, so to speak, and uh, talk about what I what I went through. Dr. Dong, so firstly, welcome to the show again. And um, how how is it all over in your neck of the woods? Well, it's awesome over here in Florida. We uh, COVID is basically non-existent. Really? Oh yeah. Well, in terms of the way people are treating it, that's for sure. Like, yeah. People aren't really wearing, very few people you see in masks now. Everything is pretty much wide open. You can't even get reservations at restaurants. It's unbelievable. It's oh, just wow. like the economy is exploding here. Oh, um, there's just so fabulous. much going, yeah, just so much going on. Yeah, I know the rest of the country, they're, you know, having a lot of different places are still struggling with whether they're going to put mask mandates back on and all this kind of stuff. But Florida seems to be doing very well. Well, I'm very glad to hear that because any bit of good news in this scenario is good, you know, because <laughs> this keeps coming and biting everybody in the bum. I this, know, I know, especially down there. You guys are really uh, experiencing quite severe lockdowns and things, right? Yeah, and then Australia's more so. Australia's gone back into lockdown. I've got cousins in Sydney who are experiencing really hard times in Melbourne, and uh, we've, we've stopped the Trans-Tasman um, bubble at the moment. We had a, you know, a, a Trans-Tasman was open for business, so to speak, with Australians being able to come to New Zealand without quarantine, but <clears throat> it's been shut down again. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're still struggling with it and the economy's still struggling with it, but actually in our country we've been very lucky that we've managed to keep it out So because they've had such a tight controls on the borders. But, yes, it's a, <clears throat> it's a rocky road for everybody and it's not over yet, no, I don't think. no. Oh, yeah. It looks like it's still going to continue. So, yeah. And that's creating a lot of stress. So, oh, yeah. Perfect. And this <laughs> is what I've, I've said. I think we're coming up to a tsunami of mental health issues because a lot of people have gone into freeze mode as opposed to fight or flight. Some people are in fight or flight. You're hearing about that on airlines, people just losing it and getting mad and fighting with flight attendants and passengers. And you see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, you know, that's obviously not the majority. I think most people are in that mode of just get through this, do what they ask, don't cause any any waves and just get this over with. Yep. And so that's a freeze mode. And I yep. think when people come out of freeze, you're going to start to see some of these mental health issues. Yes, I, I totally agree. And I'm very concerned about our young people. I think they're being hit very hard. You know, if you're, <clears throat> especially in the places that are hit hard with lockdowns, if you're um, if you've got um, you're going through puberty or you're going through teenagehood or you you know even the younger kids, I think they're going to uh, you know be affected massively by this because it's going to be a big you know before and after sort of situation for them. And just the social. Remember, you know, when we were teenagers, social was everything. everything. Right? So it's learning, you know, how to communicate and talk and get along with other people and good and bad. I mean, you know, there was always the struggles in school with, you know, <laughs> learning how to how to get along with everybody. But that is just sort of squashed. So it's going to be fascinating to see when they do a study on on the real true results of this pandemic. It's going to be a lot different than I think people think. Yes, and I think, um, yeah, the longitudinal stuff is where we're going to see, like, it's not just the um, the people who are unfortunately dying and being very sick from the actual COVID, but the actual effects on society are going to be big. And that's why, you know, like talking about the topic that we're talking about today, dealing with anxiety and dealing with stress and being able to actually fix the problem instead of just managing the problem, which I know you're big on. Um, so let's dive in there and um, let's recap a little bit. You uh, just to just briefly go back over your story, how you got to here and what your method sort of entails in a, in a you know helicopter perspective. Yeah, basically how I developed this was really because of the life that my wife led first and my daughter. Um, my wife grew up in a very traumatic household with a very angry father that created tremendous fear. So everybody was, you know, it was just constant tension in that household. And so when I met her, I just realized, you know, how this was so different than my life. My life was in the complete opposite, very nurturing, loving, you know, so I didn't experience that. And so I thought when she started moving in and we got married at 19, we were very young, that this would all stop for her because now she's living in my world, my environment. And it didn't. She just kept continuing to feel this fear. Mm -hmm. 
that something was going to go wrong and nothing is going to go right. And she really had, she struggled with enjoying things that were going well, you know, and I, I yeah. would say to her, you know, we've got three beautiful children. We've got a beautiful home. Everything's going pretty good. Nothing's perfect. You know, you have yeah. your ups and downs, but it's generally a pretty good life. She couldn't enjoy that. Because as a child, whenever things were going okay, it would quickly end and it would end sometimes violently. So the way she was protecting herself was don't get too up. Don't get too excited when things are going well, because you'll get this huge drop. So that was what she was doing to protect herself. Um, I I just had a lady come in here a couple months ago who very famous um, athlete as her husband, you know, millionaires, got fame, fortune, everything you want. But she had a lot of health issues because of trauma from her childhood. And she, when I explained that to her, she said, that's me. Your wife is me. I I should be enjoying this and I can't get there. I want to. My husband can't understand it, but that's really what was going on for her too. So it's a protective mechanism, isn't it, to basically not 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 get too relaxed and happy because you've got to be hyper vigilant. And this is something that you know I've definitely struggled with my entire life. Not because I had a horrible childhood; I had a wonderful childhood, but I had um, I was a super sensitive. Like so, from a genetic perspective, I'm super sensitive. I have a lot of adrenaline that makes me code for, uh, or for the want of a better description. Um, I'm very emotionally empathetic, but it also makes me swung by emotional stimuli very much. So if someone in my environment is unhappy, I am unhappy. I am, I am often anxious and upset. And, you know, so this, just knowing that is, you know, I remember mummy telling me she took me to Bambi, you know, the movie Bambi from Disneyland and and she had to take me out of the theater. I wasn't distraught, you know. Yep. And that's basically me yeah. <laughs> because Bambi's mother got killed, right? I couldn't handle that as a Plymouth four-year-old. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I still can't handle things. And so one of the, you know, like things like the news and stuff, I protect myself from that because I take everything on. Um, and it's even a problem in, in, uh, in our business sort of situations because I want to save the world. <laughs> and sure. I, I very much take on my clients' um, issues. And so I'm still learning to set the, you know, the, the, the shut the gates afterwards, so to speak, when, when you've done working with someone and so that you're not like, you know, com- constantly. So there's a genetic component to this as well. Um, Absolutely. So yours was coming from a genetic side, but that's very, very common amongst people who have had a traumatic childhood. They're super yep. sensitive. Yes. Very hyper vigilant. That was my wife. Yep, that's you know, me. so she yep. was constantly looking for danger. Like I, I would, say, we'd come out of a store, and she'd go, "Can you believe how rude that clerk was?" And I'd <laughs> you go, go, "What? What? What? She, what do you mean she was rude? How was she rude? <laughs> Did you see the way she answered that question when I asked that, and then the way she stuffed the clothes in the bag?" And I'm like, "Wow, I never I saw any that. of that." <laughs> but she was looking for it because that's how she protected herself because yeah. she had to recognize when danger was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was protection. And yeah. I had to experience that. So that made no sense to me. It made perfect sense to her. Yeah. And if someone was rude to you, you'd be just like, well, that's their problem, not my yeah. problem. And I'm not taking it on. Whereas for someone like your wife and for me, and, you know, I did have a dad who was uh, uh, a real hard, hard, tough man, like old school tough, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we were very much on, on tender hooks when dad came home, whether he was in a good mood today or not in a good mood. Um, he was a wonderful, loving father. But there was that tension of, you know, like wanting to please dad. You know, mum was very calm and stable, but dad was sort of more volatile and um, and just, you know, up and down. And he was uh, wonderful and fun and other times you, but you'd be, you'd be gauging all of that before he even walked in the door. And that yep. just makes you very much hyper vigilant to everything as well. And then you put on the, the on top of that, the, the genetic component. So you've got your things like your serotonin and your adrenaline. So I've got the problem with the adrenaline and a lack of dopamine. So I don't have dopamine receptors. So that stops me feeling satisfaction and, well, not stops me, but it limits my feeling of, oh, I've done a good job today. I can relax or uh, of reward. Um, And uh, other people have problems. I don't have this one, but with a serotonin gene, um, which if they have 
dysregulation and their serotonin, then that calm and that sense of well-being and, and, and mood regulation is also up and down. And so while it's not a, you know, predisposition that you're definitely going to have troubles if because you can learn the tools to manage those neurotransmitters and things like nutrition and gut health and all of that aspect of it because that's all a piece of that puzzle but it's really just interesting and it makes you much more um understanding of people's differences you know why does one person get completely overwhelmed in a very trivial situation say versus someone else who couldn't go to war and come back and they're fine you know, yep. what is it that, that that makes one person? And, you know, um, and this is, I think, and then you got the whole actual neuroscience circuitry stuff, which I, yep. you know, find fascinating what you do. Can you explain a little bit what goes on? Say, let's, let's just pick a traumatic experience. Someone's gone through some big major trauma. <clears throat> um, what is actually going on in the brain again? Can we explain that a little bit? Yeah, this is one of the things that when I did my research, I realized this is what's causing the dysregulation is your subconscious or survival brain is fully present in the moment all the time. Mm. So everything for that part of our brain is operating in the present, which is what it's supposed to be, right? And so they say that that's the key to success and happiness is live in the present. Well, your survival brain does that. The problem comes in is that only humans store explicit details about events and experiences. So everything you've seen, heard, smelt, and touched in your lifetime has been recorded and stored in this tremendous memory system, Mm -hmm. explicit memory. Animals have procedural memory or associative memory. We have that memory system too. So we have both. They only have procedural associatives. So they learn through repetition and they learn to associate you with safety and love, right? But they don't store the details about it. But we store all the details about these events and experiences. So this is where this glitch is coming in. If you've got the survival brain, which is 95% of everything that's going on, operating in the present, accessing data, from something that happened 10 years ago because something looks like, sounds like, smells like it again, it's creating a response to something that's not happening. It's looking at old data and creating a physiological response to it. And the purpose of an emotion is a call for an action. So the purpose of fear is to run, to escape a threat. But there's no threat. It's just information about a threat. That disrupts your nervous system. And then that creates a cascade of chemical reactions in your body because your mind thinks there's an action required. And this is the, this is at the crux of the whole system, really, isn't it? This is this call for action to fix a problem that is in the past that cannot be fixed in the now. So, if we can dive a little bit into my story, and you know, I'm, I'm quite open on the show. I'm sharing, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> so people sort of know me for that. Um, <clears throat> when I was working with Dr. Don, I've been through a very, very traumatic uh, few years, really. Um, you know, I lost my dad first and foremost last July, which was the uh, biggest trauma of my life. And it was a very difficult um, uh, process that we went through before he died as well. Um, and this left, as you can imagine, my brain in a state of, uh, you know, every night, nightmares, fighting for his life. He's dying over and over and over and over again. Yep. Um, those memories are intruding into my daily life, whereas um, in anything and at any time I could be triggered, you know, and be in a balling state mess in the middle of the car park, you know, or in the yep. supermarket or the because something's triggered me that dad liked to buy or dad, you know, whatever the, the case was. And this was becoming, you know, it's now a year after the event, but everything was triggering me constantly. And, of course, this is um, – draining the life out of you and, sure. and and interfering with your ability to give focus to your business, to your family, to your friends, every every other part of your life. So, and uh, I'd also been through the trauma of bringing mum back from that uh, massive aneurysm that everyone knows about and the, the constant vigilance that is associated with bringing someone back and who is who is that far gone to to where she is now and 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 the the the, the 
constant fear of her slipping backwards and me missing something, especially in light of what I'd been through with my father, you know, so I'd missed some things. Obviously, that's why he ended up in that position and through his own choices as well. Um, But this load and then, you know, losing a baby as well in the middle, um, our baby Joseph, um, that was just a hell of a lot to to deal with in the last five years. And then put on top of that, this genetic <laughs> combination of a of a hot mess that you've got sitting before you and you've got a whole lot of trauma <clears throat> to get yep. through. So when we, when we did the process um, and I was, you know, very uh, super excited to do this process because, you know, it was so intrusive into my life. And I realized that I was slowly killing, killing myself <laughs> because I wasn't able to stop that, uh, that process from, from taking over my life. You know, I could function. I was highly functional. No one would know in, yep. a, in, a, in, a, in a daily setting. <clears throat> um, but only because I've got enough tools to keep my shit together, so to speak, sure. when I need to. But behind closed doors, it was a there's a lot of trauma going on. So, can you sort of just at a high level? We don't want to, you know, go into the details because this is a four hour program that I went through with Dr. Don. Um, what was going on there, and what did you actually help me with? So, when you were describing those things that were happening to you, what was actually happening to your mind? is it was not okay with any of that. No. <laughs> it wanted it to be different, right? So it was trying to get you into a state of action to stop your father from dying. Do it differently because it kept reviewing the data. And so it was almost like looking at game tape from a game and saying, oh, had we maybe run the play that way, right? We would yes. have avoided the tackle Constant. here. So what your mind was saying, okay, run that way. Well, you can't run that way. This is game tape, right? <laughs> but your mind doesn't see it as game tape. The subconscious it sees, it as, it. sees it as real now. Yeah. So it's run that way. So it keeps calling you into an action. And, you know, especially with your dad, because you were thinking about why didn't I do this? Or had I just done this, maybe yeah. this would have happened. And so what your mind was saying is, okay, let's do it. Let's do that. But you just <laughs> thought about, it, right? yeah. but you can't do that. Because but if your it doesn't doesn't exist. It's information about something that happened, but your mind sees it as real. That's why Hollywood have made trillions of dollars because they can convince you something on a screen is actually happening. Yeah, that's why we cry in a movie, or that's why we get scared in a movie, because your mind, your subconscious mind, cannot tell the difference between real or imagined. Mm. So that's actually happening. So the there's where the, the dysregul, yeah. There's where, you know, you were just talking about the movie with Bambi, right? Yeah. When you were little, right? you it had to keep taken out. <laughs> yeah, this, why is nobody stopping this from happening? Yeah. Right? So your mind was not okay with a lot of these things that were happening and it kept calling you to make a difference. That's what I never understood my wife doing. That before I really researched this, my wife would always be saying, don't you wish this had have happened or don't you wish we had have done this? What I didn't understand at the time, because I used to just get like, okay, whatever. And she'd go, yeah, but wouldn't it have been better? She wanted to get me into this play with her, this exercise. This is going on in her head. Because it's going on in her head and she's trying to feel better. So she's creating these scenarios that would make her feel like, well, if I had just done that, gosh, that would have been nice thinking about that life and her mind seeing that going, oh, that would be nice. Well, let's do that. So she was what if in her life. And it was something that she did very early as a child, because that's how she just experienced something traumatic with her father. In her mind, she'd be going, well, what if I had to just left 10 minutes earlier, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to escape that, or what if I had to have done this? So that's what she was doing. It made no sense to me because I hadn't experienced her life, but that's what she was doing. Her mind was trying to fix something. It's never trying to hurt you. It was never at any point trying to make you feel bad. It was it's, trying I to like actually that. protect you. It, it's, its job is to protect you from danger, and it sees everything, as you said, in the now. So it's in happening now. now. And I loved that analogy of these, what was it, two dudes in a car or something. And, so and, goat and snowflake. Goat and snowflake. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going off to a meeting and they're late. And yeah. uh, what is it? Goat says to snowflake or the other way around. No, so, so snowflake 
Snowflake, which is your conscious mind, your logical, reasonable part of your mind, is only 5%. Says to go 95%, which is your subconscious mind, who runs into a traffic jam says, oh, we're going to be late. We should have left 15 minutes earlier. To which Goat replies, okay, let's do it. Let's leave 15 minutes earlier because that would solve the problem. And unless you stuck in my head because it is, you just cannot, it doesn't know that that's too late and you can't hop into the past because it only lives in the now. And this is 95% of how our brain operates. And that's why we could do things like I was walking, I was at a strategy meeting in Auckland with my business um, uh, partner uh, two days ago and we were walking along the road and he suddenly tripped and fell into the, Onto the, the 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 road, right off the, oh off the footpath. My my subconscious reacted so fast. I grabbed him. I actually punched him in the guts. <laughs> I just mean to do that. But my subconscious rec- recognized in a you know millimeter of a second, millions of a second, that he was falling, and I had to stop him. So that's the good side of the. <laughs> the survival network, um, yes. stopping and falling into the into the traffic or onto the ground. Um, but the the downside of it is that brain is operating only in the now and can't it can't like with my father it was going save him save him save him why save are you him. not saving him and then that's calling for an action and then my body is agitated the cortisol levels up the adrenaline's up and I'm 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 trying to do something that's impossible to fix and that can yep. drive you to absolute insanity when that's happening every you know and every hour every day and then it's taking a physical toll on your body because it's activating your nervous system, which is now the cortisol levels are going up, adrenaline, right? So when your mind's in that constant state, it does very little on maintenance. Yeah. Because it's not worried about fixing anything. It's worried about escaping or fixing the threat because that's the number one priority. Yeah. And it doesn't and so know. That, that's, it doesn't know. Happen. And like I ended up uh, with uh, shingles for two months. Uh, you know, in the last, in the last, I only just gotten over it a few weeks ago, um, and you know that's a, that's a definite sign of my body's just my immune system's down. Why is it down? Why can that virus that's been sitting dormant in my body for forty something years suddenly yep. decide now to come out because it's just becoming too much? I've I've spent too long in the fight or flight state, and then your immune system is down, and this is how we end up really ill. You know? We get we get sick. I was just actually having lunch today with a young lady, and she's got some immune system issues. And I said, think about it like, you know, the U.S. Army is the you know U.S. military is the biggest, strongest military in the world. But if you took that military and you spread it out amongst fifty countries around the world fighting battles, and then somebody attacks the United States, I don't care how big and strong that system was, that military system was, it's going to be weakened when it gets an attack at the home front. Brilliant. It's great analogy. And so that's what was happening, you know, and so all of a sudden now that virus that it could fight and keep dormant, right? It's like it lets it pass by because it's like, well, we can let that go. We'll catch that later. You know, right now we got to go on the offensive and attack something else. Yep. And this is where autoimmune, like, you know, your, your daughter experienced. Crohn's. Yep. 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 She experienced that at 13 or something ridiculous. Yeah. 14, she got it. Yeah. And then Um, she also got uh, idiopathic pulmonary hemosiderosis, which is another lung autoimmune disorder where the iron and the, and the blood would just cause the lungs to release the blood. And so she, her lungs would just start filling up with blood. Oh God. They had no idea what caused it. That's the idiopathic part of it. And they just basically said, there's no cure. She just needs to live close to a hospital because she'll bleed out. Oh, my uh, God. If she has another attack. And only one in 1.2 million people ever get it. So it's very rare. So there's no research being done for it. They just basically say, mm-hmm. if you get it, live close to a hospital. That's, wow. the, that's the strategy. Wow. That's the way of fixing it. <laughs> yeah. And so both of those are autoimmune. And ever since we've gone through the program, she hasn't had a flare-up of either one of those. Brilliant. Yeah. <clears throat> because I think now her system is directly now able to address those things. Yeah, and can calm down, you know. And I think even people who haven't got, you know, post-traumatic stress like I've had or whatever, they've still got the day-to-day grind of, of, of life and the struggles and sure. the finances and the mortgage to be paid and the kids to feed and the 
whatever dramas we're all going through and the, the we're like we talked about with COVID and this constant change that society is going undergoing and that's going to get faster and more. So this yep. is something that we all need to be wary of that we're not in this, you know, and, and I've taught and learned a lot about the, the coping and managing strategies, the, the breathing techniques, the meditation, the things, and, and that's what's kept me probably going. And those are great because they're, they're – <clears throat> Again, that's managing it, but it's good to have that because you've got to get to the root of it, which is what we were working on. Yeah. But at the same time, if you don't have any coping managing skills, boy, life gets very difficult. Yeah, and this is a in the moment, every day things that I can do to help manage the, the stress levels. And this is definitely something you want in your toolkit as well. But so with with me, we went through this process and we did um, – for starters, you you had to get my brain into a relaxed state and you took quite a long time to get my brain waves into a different place. So what were we doing there? Like, how does that work with the brainwave stuff? Well, when we have a traumatic event or, or uh, memory, that has been stored in a very high resolution state. So in a beta brainwave state, because all your senses are heightened, sight, smell, hearing. So it's recording that and storing it in memory in a very intense state. So if I sat down with you and said, okay, let's get this fixed. And I just started trying to work directly on that memory. You're still going to be in a very high agitated state because we're going to be starting to talk about this memory. So you're going to be in a beta brainwave state trying to recalibrate a beta stored memory. That's mm. going to be very difficult to do. Right. So what we do is, and that's why I use the four hours, because within that first an hour and a half to two hours, we're basically communicating with the subconscious part of the brain by telling stories, symbols with metaphors. That's a goat yep. and snowflake, all the stories, all the metaphors that are built in, because then your brain moves into an alpha state. And when it's in alpha, that's where it does restoration. So it's very prepared to start restoring. And then if you remember, by the time we got to a couple of the traumatic memories, we only work on them for two or three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're in alpha. And so you've got this higher state of beta and it recalibrates it into the same state that it's in. So if it's in alpha, it can take a beta memory, reprocess it in alpha takes all the intensity out of it. And so these these brainwaves, these beta states, just to uh, briefly let people know. So this is all, this is the speed, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the speed at which the brain waves are coming out. So in beta, we're like this, on a, you know, like a, you know, like you'd see an ECG or something, and it's it's sort of very fast. Um, right. I think is it is it forty to eighty 15, 15 to thirty hertz. Fifteen to thirty hertz, and then if you're an alpha, it's a lot lower than that. Seven to fourteen. Seven to fourteen, and then below that is sort of when you're going it's into the theta. sleep phase. Is a theta, so it's either deep meditative or yeah. sleep. And you're dreaming, phase. right? <clears throat> because what it's doing in dreaming is processing. Ah. So you're between four and seven hertz. That's why people <clears throat> who have a lot of trauma have trouble sleeping. Yep. Because not only is their mind processing what it experienced during the day, it's also taking some of those old files saying, well, okay, let's fix dad now, right? Yep. Let's get that. There's where your nightmares are coming from. It was trying to get you into a processing to fix that, but it couldn't fix it. it so it continues. Yep. And then when you go below four hertz, you go into Delta and Delta is dreamless sleep. And that's where the maintenance is getting done. It's the physical maintenance side more than physical the, the maintenance. Be, yeah, because now it's not <laughs> processing in what it experienced anymore. What it's really now doing is saying, okay, where are the, where are the issues that need to be dealt with? So if you're very relaxed and you've had a very, like me, right? I played hockey. So I had six concussions, 60 stitches and never missed a hockey game. And the only reason now that I understand I could do that is because I'm getting two or three times more Delta sleep than my teammates were. Physical recuperative sleep. Yep. Oh, I, I was getting maximum, right, restorative sleep. So uh, an injury that I would have that could heal in two or three days, my teammates were two or three weeks. Yeah. Because they were living in these, which I didn't know. A lot of my friends were dealing with trauma, you know, physical, emotional, sexual abuse. I didn't know that was going on with my friends. Nobody talked about it. I didn't see it in their homes, right? but they were all dealing with that. 
And so they are not able to get. Um, and so, like I've noticed since I've been through the program, my sleep is 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 much better. And sometimes I still occasionally um, dream about dad, but the positive dreams, if that makes sense, they're more there like dad yeah. as as he as he was in life. And I, I actually think dad's coming to visit me, yeah, <laughs> and say hi, give me a hug, exactly. you know, <laughs> rather yeah. than the traumatic you know, last days and hours of his life, which, uh, you know, was the ones that were coming in before and calling for that action and stopping me from having that restorative sleep. And I just did a uh, podcast with Dr. Kirk Parsley, who's a sleep expert, um, ex-Navy SEAL and a sleep expert that's coming out shortly, or awesome. I think by this time it will be out, uh, and, and understanding the importance, like the, the super importance of both the delta and the, what is the other one, the theta, theta. Uh, wave uh, of sleep patterns and, and what they do and why you need both and uh, what parts of the night do what and just realising that, crikey, anybody who is going through trauma and isn't ex- experiencing sleep is actually this vicious cycle downwards because then you've got more of the beta brainwave state and you've got more of the stresses and you're much less resilient when you can't sleep. Exactly. So you're going to end health issues and brain issues and memory and everything's going to go down south, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I didn't understand at the time. They just said, well, you're just super healthy. You heal really fast. They had no explana- other explanation for it. Now I know exactly why. Right? It had nothing to do with my genetics. It had to do with my environment. Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy Pushing the Limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years, and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody, and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, Patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month, New Zealand, or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, no, so that's, at the time, we just thought it was all, must have been genetics. But I realized now that it was environment as well. So maybe a genetic component to it as well. Mm. But then you take that and put that into this very beautiful nurturing environment. I'm going to sleep processing in theta what what I experienced that day. And then my mind basically, at that point is, what do we need to work on? Not much. Let's go, let's start now doing some maintenance. Because That's it wants brilliant. to address the top of item stuff first. What is it needs to be taken care of right now, right? Well, those are the threats. Once it gets the threats processed, then it can then start working on the things that are going to be the more long-term maintenance. Yep. And so then it'll do that. But if it never gets out of that threat mode, it gets out for very little time. Then if you're getting, you know, 30 minutes of Delta sleep a night and I'm getting two hours. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a no brainer to figure out why I would heal faster. Absolutely. And this is, you know, independent of age and things, because you've got all that that comes into it as well, you know, and your whole chemistry changes as you get older and all this, you know, there's other compounding issues. So this gets more and more important that you get these pieces of the puzzle right. Do you think that this is what leads to a lot of disease then, like, you know, your cancers and things like that uh, as well? I mean, there was probably not one reason. There's, there's, a, there's a multitude of reasons, but it's definitely one that we can influence. So it's worth looking at if you've got trauma in your life that you, you know, because I, I was, you know, people were saying to me, oh, my God, you don't look good. You know, like, you know, when you start hearing that Thanks. from your friends, you know, like, <laughs> people coming up to you and going, I, I can feel that you're not right. Um, and, you know, people that are sensitive to you know you very well. Yep. Um 
and, and you you start hearing that over and over, and you start to think, eh, shit, something's going, you know, like <laughs> maybe I better start looking at this because it's just taking all your energy away, isn't it? On so many levels, the restorative side and um, the ability to function in your life and your work and all of that, and that of course leads into depressive sort thoughts and you know and the hypervigilant state constantly. That's yeah. that's that's really tiresome rather than being just chill, relaxed, enjoying life and being able to um, you know, like one of the things I love in my life is these podcasts because I just get into such a flow state when I'm learning oh, from such brilliant you're people. You're an alpha. You're an alpha. <laughs> I am. I'm loving it because this is a, oh, you know, like, oh, that's how that works. And I just get into this lovely learning and, and alpha state with, with people because I'm just so excited and curious. And that's, and then, you know, and so this is what I need to be doing more of and less of the, if you'd seen me half an hour ago trying to work out the technology, <laughs> that's definitely not an alpha state for me, you know. <laughs> and that's, well, that's where they said Albert Einstein lived. Albert Einstein lived in alpha brainwave state. Wow. Because that's why information just flowed for him because there was no stress. He could then pull information very easily, just flowed into him. But if you're in a high beta brainwave state, there's too much activity. It has trouble focusing on anything because it's multiple threats on multiple fronts. Yes. And so, so when we have a traumatic event, that's how it's being recorded. And if you remember what we talked about was there's a 400 millionth of a second gap in between your subconscious mind seeing the information and it going to your consciousness. So in 400 millionths of a second, your subconscious mind has already started a response into an action, even though your conscious mind is not even aware of it yet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what I did with rescuing my... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, With a glass and, falling and, off the thing. I hadn't registered uh, that logically. <laughs> and it's funny because that's one of the things that I talk about, which is sort of give us all a little bit of grace. Because if you've had a lot of trauma, you're going to respond a certain way. How could you not? If your mind's filtering through all of that, of course you're going to respond with that kind of a response because your mind is prone to go into that action very, very quickly. So we can give ourselves a little bit of grace in understanding that, of course, you're going to do that, right? And not beat ourselves up because, as you know, what I talked about with everybody, there's nothing wrong with anybody. There's nothing yes, wrong with I anybody's mind. Everybody's mind is fine, except you are experiencing something different than I experienced. So your mind kept responding to it. Yep. And mine didn't have that. So, you know, you had multiple, you know, think about it, we have 100% of our energy on our phone when we wake up in the morning, right? Fully powered up. You fire the phone up and eight programs open up. Yeah. Right? And mine has one. Yeah. Right? You're just focusing and then, on and then what it you gets need noon, to. Right. And then noon comes, right? And you're having to plug your phone back in because you're out of energy. Oh, that's a right? perfect analogy. Yeah. You're just draining the battery. My all there's a hundred there's a hundred windows open in the back of my brain that is yep. just processing all these things. And, and so now I can start to heal. So I have to have him going through, through this process with, with you. Um, and, and we did some, like you, like you said, we worked on uh, a number of uh, traumatic experiences and I went through them in my mind and then you did certain things um, yep. <laughs> made me follow with my eyes and track here and my eyes did this and then we pulled my attention out on the middle of the story and things that uh, helped me stay in that alpha state, brainwave state, as I probably now understand, um, while I'm still reliving the experience and that sort of taken the colour out of it so that it's now sort of in a, in a black and white folder. Um, and now I can still be sad. It hasn't taken away the... The sadness of... Because um, well, it is sad that these things happen, but there's yes. not the response for an action, which is that fear or anger, right? That dysregulation of the nervous system. Yes. That's what, that's what we want to stop because that is what is going to affect health, enjoyment of life and everything else. Wow, this is so powerful. Yeah, and, and it's been very, very beneficial for me and, and helped me um, 
deal. And it's for me, it also uh, unfolded because after that, the the four hour period with you, I had um, audio tapes and things that I meditations to do every day for the next thirty days. Um, what were we doing in that phase of the recovery, if you like? What were what were you targeting in those sort of sessions? Um, so if you remember, we talked about we have two memory systems. The explicit memory is what we work on in that four hours. That's mm-hmm. the detailed events and experiences. Once we get the mind processing through that, then we have to work on the same memory animals have, which is that associative, repetitive memory. So yeah. you've built a series of codes on how to respond to threats. And that has come in over repetition and associations. So the audios are designed to start getting you now to build some new neural pathways, some new ways to respond, because your mind won't switch a pattern instantly. It can switch a memory instantly, but a pattern is something that got built over a period of time. So it's like a computer. You know, if I'm coding on my computer, I can't take one key to stop that code. I have to write a new code. Yeah. So what we're doing over the 30 days is writing new code. And helping me make new routines and new new habits around uh, and new new neural pathways, basically. And this is where right. you, and, you, you, and you don't have that explicit memory interfering, interfering. with the updates, yeah. Because now it's not constantly pulling you out, going back into an action call. It's basically now able to look at this information and these codes that got built, and say, okay, what's a better way? So. Do we have a better way of doing it? Well, show me that code, write that code. And if that code looks safer, then your mind will adopt that new code. And and that's, yeah. And this is why if I think for me, there was an initial, there was definitely like the the nightmares stopped, the intrusive every limited hour triggering stopped. But the uh, the uh, the process over the time and the next, and I'm still doing, you know, a lot of the things and the, um, in the meditations, uh, it's reinforcing new habit building. And this is where, like, for people dealing with addictions, this is the path for them as well, isn't it? Yeah, because I talk about addiction as a code. I don't believe it's a disease. Your mind has found a resource to stop pain. And your subconscious mind is literal. It doesn't see things as good or bad or right or wrong. It's literal. Did that stop the pain? Let's do that because it's trying to protect you. Keep doing it, yeah. So if you've now repeated it over and over, not, not only have you stopped the pain, but you've built an association with a substance that is seen as beneficial because it so stops Your pain. brain sees it as a medicine when you're taking, I don't know, cocaine or something. 100%. It sees it as, your, as, as essential to your life, even though you, on a logical level, know that this is destroying me and it's a bad thing for me. Your subconscious goes, no, this is, this is a good thing and I need it right now. Because it's in the present, when does it want the pain to stop? In the present. Now. Yeah. So it has no ability to see a future or a past. Your subconscious is in the moment. So if you take cocaine, the logical part of your brain goes, oh, this is going to create problems for me. I'm going to become addicted, right? Your subconscious goes, well, the pain stopped. We don't see that as a bad thing. We only want, like, I always use the analogy, why did people jump out of the buildings at 9-11? They weren't jumping to die. They were jumping to live because when would they die now? If they jump, they die. No, they stop the death. So even jumping, which logically makes no sense, right? But to the subconscious mind, it was going to stop the pain now. Yeah. And it was a matter, even if it was two seconds in the future that they would die, your it doesn't brain even know what just two goes, seconds are. No, it has no time. Isn't no. that fascinating that that part of the, you know, we don't have a time memory in that part of the, or, or understanding in that part of the brain that, that, that runs 95% of the ship. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's like Albert Einstein said, there's no such thing as time. So it's like an animal. If if an animal, you could communicate and you'd say, what time is it? That would make no sense to an animal. (laughs) What do you mean? It's now. (laughs) (laughs) What time is it? What time is it now? Now. Exactly. Yeah. It's a construct that we've made to to explain a lot of things. to, to, To explain a lot of stuff, right? When something happens. Yeah, and, and this is quite freeing when you think of that, <laughs> that 
but it does make a heck of a lot of sense. So people are not being destructive when they become drug addicts or addicted to nicotine or or, or coffee or chocolate. They, they're actually trying to stop the pain that they're experiencing some other place and and fix things now. And they just they even though their logical brain, because their logical brain is such a tiny. Like this is the last part to develop in evolution. And 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 it's not as fully we can do incredible things with that five percent. I mean, we've made the world that we live in and we're sitting here on Zoom and we you know, we've got incredible powers of but that's all about the imagination, being able to think into the future, into the past, and to make correlations and to recognize patterns and that that's where all our creativity and everything or not just our creativity, but our ability to analyze and, and um, put forth stuff into the world uh, is happening, but it actually we still like the animals and the rest of it. We're still running that ninety five percent, and that's where we can run into the problems with these two. Not you know, you got two systems. Thing. You got in a very advanced system operating within a very primitive system, and it hasn't yeah. integrated. <laughs> it's still integrating, right? So, if there's a survival threat, survival will always override reason and logic. Always. Because wow. it's designed to protect you. So there's no reason and logic that will come in, right, if there's a survival threat. It's just going to respond the way it knows. It does its Google search. What do we know about this threat? How do we know to protect ourselves? It will go instantly into survival mode. No, like Again, there's the reason and logic. Why would you jump out of a building, right? If you applied reason and logic, you wouldn't have jumped, hmm. right? But And people will say, well, but they still jumped. Yes, because... Reason and logic didn't even come in to the process. It was all about survival. Yeah. When the fire is coming and it was either. I'm going to die now, now right? Or I'm going to move and not die now. Yeah. And we're also prone to movement when we're in agitation and when agitated state, aren't we? we we're, that's, that's basically all the, the bloods and the, and the muscles saying run, fight, do something. Do something. Take move, action. Right. Yeah. And that's why when people get into depression, Right, it's the absence of those emotions. Yeah, that's so when, when they're actually going to exhaustion. Yeah, they they can't. They, there's no. The mind kept calling for an action, using anger, for example, right? But you can't do the action because it's not happening. So it shuts down to protect you and stops calling for any emotion, and that's depression. And so the key to get out of depression is action, is to get something happening. So in a lot of people who are depressed, what do they tell them to do? Start moving, start exercising, get out, start doing things, right? That's why I ran trying ultras. To get exactly. <laughs> Perfect example, right? Yeah, because a I was. I movement. was dealing with a lot of shit in my life at the time when I started doing ultramarathons. And to run was to quiet the pain. And yep. to run was to be able to cope and to have that meditative space in order to, to work through the, the stuff that was going on in my life. And I know even in my husband's life, when he went through a, a difficult time, that's when he started running. So running can be a very powerful therapeutic because it is a, a, a movement and you're actually burning through the cortisol and the adrenaline that's pouring yep. around in your body. And therefore, you know, sitting still in that sort of a sense was just not an option for me. I had to move. Um uh, and and that explains why, really, you know, it's calling Absolutely. for movement. And that was and that, my movement because I couldn't fix the other thing. And that's what they'll tell you to do to get out of depression is to move. What I say is the way to get out of depression is to get your mind to resolve what it's been asking for. It's going a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going running. down and saying, okay, why has it been getting you angry? And now it's shut down from the anger because it's been trying to get you in your situation. Don't let dad die. Don't yeah. let this happen, right? And so because you couldn't do it, it just shuts down. Makes perfect sense. But when we get to the resolution that there is no action required, there's no need for the depression anymore. The depression will lift because there's no more call for an action. Yeah. And you can, you know, I can, I can feel that in me that that call, you know, anytime that anything does still pop up, I uh, sort of acknowledge the feeling and say there is no there is no call for action here. This is in yep. the past. This is a memory. So I do remind myself from that when when things do still pop up from you know time to time now, as opposed to hourly. Um, I, I go hey hey you know come back into the now. This is 
This is the now. This is that was the then. It's calling for an action. This is why you're doing thing. And even that that understanding that process now actually helps me in that coping sort of state as well. And that's why I spend so much time on the education because when you understand that the problem is not as big as we make it, there's nothing wrong with you, right? So people will say, "Well, I got a chemical imbalance," and I'll go, "Why?" Well, my brain has a chemical imbalance. Yeah. Okay. Why? Right. You're talking You're about the symptom. Yeah. You're talking about the <laughs> symptom. I want to like get to the issue, right? Not treat the symptom. You know. So if you came in and said, "Oh, I have a you know low serotonin," right? So they're just going to say, "Okay, well, we're going to put you on you know five HTP, right, to boost your serotonin." But I say, "Well, why do you have low?" serotonin. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a gut imbalance or there's got to be something going on, right, within your brain. Right? Yeah. And that's and like, so, this is how the whole of the medical world should operate. <laughs> Ideally, yeah. let's go back as deep as we can. And it's very difficult because you have to be very investigative in your approach. You have to sort yep. of work out and try to work back where is it coming from. It's much easier just to take, uh, you know, an antidepressant or in the worst case or 5-HTP in the more gentler case, but, you know, the, these things, because it is, you know, chemicals, but why is the chemical there, uh, you know, or lack of chemicals there? Um, like I can tell, like, with my husband, he's training for a 100-miler at the moment, and he's got a full-on job as an officer in the fire brigade, and they have lots of, you know, night shifts, and they have very traumatic scenes that they experience sure. on a on a daily sort of thing. Um, and I, you know, I know when his serotonins are dropping, and I know why they're dropping. Um, yep. And so spending, for, for him, time alone in nature, taking some time out, doing some self-care, having some extra sleep, doing those things to try to balance things, to get them back to baseline is the level that I can work at as a, as a health optimization coach. Um, but yep. this sort of program is going at an, an even level deeper, and that's really, really powerful. And then giving you the tools. So first we, we fix what caused the problem and give you the tools to be able to stay present. Or stay in there. Yeah, to stay then, in that nice balanced state. And teach your brain what it means to go back. There's where your symbol and statement and anchor came in. Mm-hmm. The idea behind that is to be able to get your mind to make that associative, right? Oh, what does that mean when I see that symbol or I see that? That means we're safe, right? And then it goes back into alpha brainwave move, mode. Yeah. And I do that one every day. In fact, I, 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 I deliberately go and search out sunsets now. <laughs> like whenever yeah. I possibly can, job, job allowing and so on, I'm trying to get to see a sunset <laughs> or a sunrise. Uh, you know, I just reverse it, you know, because that was my anchor. That was my, yep. my symbol, if you like. Um, yep. And that sort of, yeah, and then instantly that calms me down if I'm looking at a sunset, you know, going down. And it's, and it's an automatic. It's just science. Yeah. Because when your mind gets, so when I was growing up, my mother, my father, my house was my symbol of safety. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I would come home, my nervous system would completely go back into regulation because it felt safe. So what we're doing is giving you the tools to teach your mind that when it sees that, hears that, or feels that, that you're safe. Yeah. And it builds the association. There's where the 30 days of associating that sound, that smell, or that touch, yep. right? And that symbol with I'm safe. And then it just becomes automatic. Yeah. You don't even have to think about it. That's, that's why really, the 30 days are powerful. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly, and I think it's still a, you know, I think actually keep practicing that ongoing, you know, I still I, do I will it. keep, yeah. I yeah. use it for years. Uh, I still do it. And mine is a hawk. I see my hawk all the time. It's unbelievable. He said he literally buzzes my car two or three times a week, right? No other <laughs> bird ever does this. And I see him constantly uh, just like coming right in front of my car. Wow. And so very powerful symbol for me. But it just is my constant, you know, reminder that I'm good. I'm okay. Everything's fine. There's nothing yeah. I need to be doing. So, right? so when one of those symbol. thoughts come in, right, you go to your symbol, your mind just goes, oh, I don't need to do anything about that. And what were we doing when we, like, I uh, grabbed the wrist was my anchor, I think you call that, is it? The anchor? Yeah. 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 Um, so what is, is that, so when I see a sunset and I grab my, my wrist here, that was my anchor, um, what are we doing there? Is it sort of like an NLP thingy? Well, it's also activating the parietal lobe in your brain, right? Because that part of your brain recognizes touch. 
Uh-huh. And then one part of your brain recognizes sound and another one recognizes pictures, the occipital lobe, right? So we're basically giving the whole brain, the occipital lobe, temporal lobe, parietal lobe, the same wow. message. We're safe. Wow. We're safe. And it gets safe. it in different, different communications because it communicates differently, right? So when your occipital lobe sees your symbol, right, of your sunset, now that's one part of your brain getting the message. Then another lobe in your brain gets the message, and then another lobe gets the message. It's like, oh, we, we, got, we, got, we got it from every corner of the brain. Right? So we must be in a safe, good place. We must be in a safe place. So we wouldn't be feeling this or experiencing this. Yeah, that's and if you remember, spell. we connected it up to these great events yep. in your life as well. Yeah, yes, yes, that's right. And then I also, um, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is right, but I built in the breathing stuff then too. Oh, no, um, that's perfect too. Because yeah. there's lots of oxygen in there, Yep. right? You you can't be stressed out if you've got a lot of oxygen. Yeah, yeah, it's it just impossible. takes you down. Like that parasympathetic state, you know, being able to activate that, uh, you know, very, very quickly with a couple of the tools and different breathing techniques that I have. Yep. You know, I find myself doing that 10 times a day. You know, just yep. to bring me down, or when I'm swapping from one thing to the other, or just to just to you know recalibrate my brain almost, and yep. to go you know, or even in training. So I we go to the gym in between the sets. If I'm doing a really hard workout, I'll, I'll do um, physiological size, which are just double intakes and exhales, long exhales, just to reset my body. Because when you go into high intensity interval training, you're actually putting your body into a state of stress, and that can actually make you your cortisol and your blood sugars go up yep. and everything else. So in between the sets, I often do um, this physiological side. Within, within a couple of seconds, it's like reset, okay, go again. Reset, let's go again. And at the end of a really hard session, I'll do, you know, so box breathing exercises to just take my whole nervous system down. And then I've given that stimulus of the training and then taken the, the other, so if you do, especially if you're doing training late at night, I mean, getting off topic, but, um, and you're doing cardiovascular training, say late at night, high intensity running or something like that, that can actually stop you sleeping because you're in that heightened state of, of stress. Yeah, you're not safe. Yeah, you're not right? safe. And you, you need to bring it down. And bring that parasympathetic state in because this is this is at the bottom of it is this this autonomic nervous system branch of parasympathetic versus sympathetic state and we want to be more in that sympathetic and I'm always constantly in the um, sympathetic sorry and not right. the parasympathetic um, yep. and so you've taken me on you to this 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 technique to be able to bring me down basically very quickly yeah because that vagus nerve is going to send mm-hmm. the message right that we have oxygen. Yeah, that tells the brain that if there's lots of oxygen, we couldn't possibly be in danger. Yeah, Otherwise because if you were in danger, you'd be running. You'd be. <laughs> and if you were running, you wouldn't have much oxygen, which would then remind the brain to keep pumping, right? Because we're still in danger. So that yeah. that's literally where a panic attack comes in. Mm. Is that the mind is looping through something, even though there's no threat. And that my wife really taught me this is because I every once in a while she'd just go. <gasps> I go, what? She mm. go, oh, I just wasn't breathing. Yeah. She would literally stop breathing yeah, yeah. because Lots she was so tense. Mm. Yeah. And that, that made no sense. I go, why would you not be breathing? She go, I don't know. I just stop. Yep. Right. Because she was so tense and her tense. mind was looping. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden now the oxygen CO2 level changes. Right. And then the, uh, yep. the brain gets a message that we're running low on oxygen. Yep. So then the vagus nerve right, is sending the message like, breathe. Right. But again, that's all interpreted by the brain as threats. Yeah. And that's where you, you, if you find yourself doing a lot of sighing or Mm -hmm. a lot of that type of thing and you've actually stopped breathing, then you need to, yeah, retrain those breathing systems and, and ideally nasal breathing. Because again, there's a lot of good reasons why the nasal, uh, going through the nasal passage instead of breathing with the mouth is very, very beneficial as well. But it's, it's, it's an instant thing. And, you know, when we're constantly like we're focused on our emails and we're like, oh, their phone call's coming in and we just forget to, to breathe, breathe or we over-breathe and we're going. <laughs> yeah, hyperventilate, yeah. And that just sends body panic, panic, panic. We're in panic mode. And off we go into that whole cascade of panic situations. Um, yeah. 
Dr. Don, we've gone all over the place today. <laughs> it's been a very, I love talking to you. It's just so fascinating and it's reminding me again of some of the things that I've got to hear, but I've got to keep keep, keep doing that and gives uh, people listening some tools. But where can people actually come to see you and, and actually go through the program that I've been through? And I highly recommend you do this. If you're dealing with some serious especially if you're dealing with serious addiction or trauma or anything that's really stuffing up your life, you need to go through this program with Dr. Don. Um, and there are a couple of different options for people. Um, that, so where can they find you and how best to reach out to you? So uh, you can come to our site, which is, uh, we have a website, but we also have an easier way to get there, which is get, G-E-T-T-I-P-P. The program's called TIP, so gettip.com. And if you come to gettip.com, then you'll be able to see all the information. You can watch some of the testimonials of people who have been on the site. Including you know, me. gone through the program, <laughs> including you. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and that's what we're looking for. Because you may not, you may hear one story and that doesn't resonate with you, but then you hear somebody else. And these are just, you know, people who have experienced what you're experiencing. And everybody has different things in their lifetime. And so when you hear somebody else and you go, oh, that's me. Right? That's why I I laugh at this because when I first met my wife, she swore me to secrecy. I could never tell anybody about her childhood. Yeah. And now everybody knows about her childhood. Yeah, and that's brilliant because it takes the power out of the whole BIM thing and it's helping people. Oh, yeah. oh and that's, that's what I said. I always said to her, I said, I really believe your story is going to help people. And she goes, no, no, I'll never be able to stand up and talk about it. Now she can completely talk about it. Because she's completely healed. Because her system doesn't get activated. Yeah. Where before, if I had said to her, oh, tell this person about what happened to you as a child, she'd be sobbing. She couldn't even get it out of her mouth yep. because yep. her mind would be looping through. In order to start talking about it, she'd have to go into memory. Yep. When she goes into memory, her nervous system would get activated and she'd go into a, a flight stage. Yeah. And I mean, you can tell us. Like, stop that. <laughs> you can tell. I mean, just the conversation we've had today, and I've been talking about dad and all that, you know, traumatic stuff that I went through. Not once did I bawl my eyes out today, which I usually, you know, would have. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> but, um, and not to say that I'll never cry over dad again, because I probably will, but it'll be not being like instantly triggered in inappropriate situations and um and it will be when i want to think about my dad and my time and my way and it will be mixed of of love and gratitude in the memory rather than the trauma and that's yep. that's gold so <clears throat> dr don thank you so get tip.com you have to see this oh i just lost it i have a ball yeah I have five balls on my desk i just throw them and the lights light. go. Lights uh, back on. They're on. You need Siri. You need Siri. Hey, Siri, turn yep. the lights back on. <laughs> yeah, it's just motion activated because I haven't been moving. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah so, good. so even for performance, because yeah. again, it's oh, yeah. really always built on performance more than just trauma. Because I say again, nothing's wrong with you. So the idea is when we get these traumatic events and experiences out of the loop, then your performance can go up. Yeah. So that's really the key. So high-performing executives, athletes who are wanting to perform at the top of their game and are being drained by whatever, um, yep. this is a program for them. So the actual name of your institute is the Inspired Performance Institute. Correct. Rather than just the Trauma Institute or something. <laughs> so Yeah, because what's interfering with you reaching that next level of performance? And as you know, as a world-class athlete, right, the yeah. edge between winning and, and second place is small. Yeah. But if you get that little edge, yeah. that's really what this is all about, is to give you that edge so that you can perform at your highest level. Yeah, this is fantastic for, for athletes, absolutely, and executives as well who are, you know, high-level, high-functioning people who have oh, to be yeah. on the ball all of the time. This can be really powerful. So it's just not draining the energy. I mean, I know that I've been running on a battery of, you know, less than 30% for the last year, for sure, yep. you know, and now I can start to rebuild my health and that's going to take a little bit of time probably and my, you know, all of that sort of aspect, but now onto the right track and getting my energy back and feeling a lot better because this looping isn't happening and I'm not in that constant state of fight or flight. So, so Dr. Power. Don, 
know, much much gratitude to you for your work, what you've done, and how you've developed this program for for taking me through it. Um, very, very, very grateful, um, and highly recommend that anyone who who's dealing with stuff like this or wants high performance to go and check out gettip.com or the inspiredperformanceinstitute.com is also the full website. Thank you, Dr. Don, and I hope we'll Thanks, be in contact Lisa, shortly. I absolutely, I love it. Love talking to you. So anytime you want me back, I'll be back. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Dr. Don. Thanks. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com. 